If you don't know who I am, my name is Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Central. I'm so glad that uh, you're here with us. Uh, man, you're not going to want to to miss what's going to happen today in this sermon. I'm, I'm excited about uh, what God has in store um, for us. So make sure you're taking notes. We're going to find something to write on or you can uh, go on and uh, get our, our online notes, several different ways uh, to be able to do that. Uh, but we would love for you to, to remember um, what God has uh, to share to you um, today. Well, the last three weeks, we've been going through a new series called Buckle Up. You can see it right there behind me, our part in God's story. And last or two weeks ago, if you can remember back that far, we talked about kind of a rear view mirror. And so we looked at what our, our church has been like in the past. And so we talked about how, um, based off of 2 Corinthians 5, uh, starting verse 11, how we are supposed to be people, and we have been, people that are persuading others uh, to follow Christ. And we do this with sincere hearts. And so we celebrated our past and everything that Central has been about. And then last week, we looked at the, the thought of being in a car looking at a dashboard. And when you look at the dashboard, you can see how fast you're going. You can see all the parameters of, of what's going on um, right now. And we saw that, that we are to be and we are a church who has radical faith. And we're a church that has a plan. And so we talked about all the different ministries um, we are doing. And we do all of this while as we are being inspired uh, by Jesus. But then we talked about the check engine light coming on. And it wasn't a very fun sermon, to be honest with you. And I could see all y'all's faces, like, I don't like this guy, I'm not coming back. And, um, but we looked at the reality of where we're at and how we can't continue to do things the way we're currently doing them. And that's hard to say, but I was thinking about what that kind of looks like. And several years ago, uh, when I was in college, so man, it's getting further and further away. When Holly and I were in college, we used to go on uh, trips with our friends. I don't know if you did that when you're in college. You don't have any money. You're like, hey, we're going to go somewhere. And so we, we load up in the car and we take off. And in Texas, man, there's just tons of open space and ranch land. And we like to play this game called Hey Cow. Okay. Hey Cow. Now this is a very sophisticated game. It's only for college students. Okay. Very high IQ to be able to play this game. But here's what it was about. Every time we were driving down the road and we saw some cows close to the road, we would um, roll down the window and then as we could. Sorry, I turned my microphone off, make sure it didn't kill you. Um, but we would yell that. And, and if you, if you were able to get a cow to look up at you, you won, okay? And that was the whole, the whole point of it, okay? So we're just screaming at cows, which sounds really silly and, and really dumb. But our problem sometimes, not just our church, but a lot of churches, is that we're just going down the road playing hey cow. Meaning that we have gotten okay with just being okay. We're okay with just going down the road where we may not really have a direction and in fact, sometimes we're just doing some things that we probably shouldn't be doing. Things that other people might look at us and say, man, that's kind of silly. And so today we're going to look at this road ahead. We've looked at the past, we've looked at where we're at currently, but we're going to look through the windshield of our church and look at the road ahead. And the prayer I have for us today and the prayer we've been praying for a long time for our church is Jesus, give us a new vision for our church. Give us a new vision because we need a vision. 
a clear, challenging, and compelling, and hope-filled look at the future of what our church um, should be and must be. Because vision is a really big deal. Vision creates focus for us as a church. It changes our habits. And we have to have this because if we continue to do the same thing we're doing, we're gonna die. And that's tough to say. In fact, there are thousands and thousands of churches all over our country right now who are just going along to get along. And they may be dipping and actually literally falling off the cliff or they may just be plateaued. Yet the community around them is growing and vibrant and yet they're just staying where they're at. And we have to be different. We need a clear new vision from God. And we get a vision in a really specific way. And so it's not like you get on the computer and just Google top 10 visions for churches. Okay, we don't do that. And we don't look at what another church is doing down the street. No, a a vision for a church comes from God. And it comes down to the leader of the church or, or for us, the pastor. And then from the pastor, it goes out to the rest of the leadership and then into the rest of the congregation. This is the biblical model for a vision from God. You look at the scripture, it backs it up. If you look throughout the Bible, you see um, great leaders of the faith like Joshua. You look at people like Noah or King David or Nehemiah. In the New Testament, you got Peter and Paul. And, and these men, they spent time alone with God wrestling for a new vision for the ministries that God had called them to. The sad reality is that across this country, Barna Research has asked churches Um, what is the vision for their church? And they've realized that only 2% of pastors in America can describe and articulate a vision for their own church. It's crazy. Got 100 pastors in this room right here and we only two of them be able to stand up here, grab a microphone and say, here's the vision for my church. But I'm telling you what, Central Baptist Church are gonna be different. We are gonna be a different kind of church. In fact, I believe that our new vision for Central is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this passage we've been going through. So if you have your Bibles, man, turn there. We start in verse 11. We're all the way to verse 16. I'm going to read it with you. Here's what it says. I love the beginning. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You've heard that a thousand times, right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, meaning Jesus, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is a powerful message. And in this passage, we've, we've looked at, and, and Paul has finished up describing the marching orders for a church to, to be a healthy and biblical church. And then he says this, from now on, things are going to be different. How many of you guys like musicals? 
<laughs> All right, me too. I love musicals, okay? Um, my kids hate musicals. Um, I think it's because we always turn on Disney Plus, and Disney Plus has tons of musicals, and I like to watch those. I don't know, I just like musicals. And I think it's the, my kids hate it because I'm, I'm always singing with the songs. And, but you, you love musicals because the main character, whoever it is, they are wrestling with something. And when they, they begin to contemplate, you know that a song is about to begin, right? Or they, they got to make this big decision. Like, oh, here it comes, right? And the music starts playing. You're like, yes, it's another song. And I love musicals. And one of my favorite mus- musicals is The Greatest Showman. And uh, I love that, sh- that, sh- that show. And it's uh, Hugh Jackman stars in it. And he plays um, a, a real-life character named um, Phineas Barnum, who was kind of the creator of the, the circus. And Man, this, this story is incredible of where he, where he was at and how he had this new vision and he began to, to run with it and he built this circus and it was powerful and awesome and he was doing incredible things. But then he began to drift. He lost sight of where he was supposed to go and he began to do things that didn't fulfill um, his mission in life. And he got to this critical moment in, in this story and He's with his cast of, of characters um, in the circus, and he, he began to sing this song, and the song is from now on, right? And it's really powerful because he, in this song, he's saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't continue to live the way that I'm living. From now on, things are going to be different. And I believe this passage right here that we just read is, is like our from now on moment for Central Baptist Church. So let's look at it real quick. This passage is all about, these, la- these six verses are all about the work of reconciliation. You know, like, what in the world is reconciliation? Well, think of it this way. When you were little, maybe you got in a fight with someone on the playground or in the locker room, or you can, you can probably remember what it was like to get in a physical fight with someone. That's probably some of y'all in this room. Or, or you think about getting in a fight with your siblings. I mean, that happens all the time or with your parents or, or parents in this room. Maybe you've got an argument with your spouse or with your kids. And, and if you love that person, it breaks your heart because that relationship literally is broken, right? The relationship's broken. And what do you want most of all? Do you want to be right? No. What you want is you want that relationship to be fixed, right? You want it to be put back together. And that is what this word reconciliation really means. To be reconciled means to be restored back in your relationship or your friendship back into harmony. And that's what God does for us. Our relationship with God is screwed up. It is broken. All the way back from Adam and Eve all the way to today to the screw-ups that we have every single day, our relationship with God is broken. And this passage says that Jesus has come to fix it. He's come to fix what is broken. Romans 5.10 kind of describes how bad it is for us. And it says that we um, have become, because of our sin, we become enemies with God. And more than that, it says we become enemies at war with God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be at war with God. That's a bad place to be. But Jesus has come to fix what is to, was broken and to put it back together. That is what it means for him to be the reconciler. This is what he does on the cross to pay for our sins. And in fact, this is, this is the gospel, right? And this is what God does. He fixes what is broken. And so if you're taking notes today, I think there's something, a powerful truth that we can get today. And it's this, that God is in the restoration business. He's in the restoration business. 
Today, I think he should have his own TV show where he is tearing down walls and fixing kitchens and and fixing rooms in our lives that are messed up and broken. God is in the restoration business. I kind of paraphrase some of this up on the screen here, the uh, verses 16 through 18. Look at this. He says, from now on, we must see things differently. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. God is about restoring lives. And the great thing is, is that he restores lives through Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And from now on, our church, we're going to see Jesus as the answer. He is the answer to everything. Hebrews 12, one and two says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. From now on, on, that is who we need to be. And that is what we need to be about. People in a church that fixes their eyes on Christ because Jesus is the answer to everything. He is the answer to our broken relationship with God. Acts 4.12, the Bible says that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. He is the answer to our broken relationship with God. He's also the answer to our broken relationship with each other. Ephesians 2, 14, the Bible says, for he himself is our peace. He is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He's the answer to our broken relationships, but he's also the answer to all of our problems, to all of our worries, to all of our doubts. Jesus says in John 16, 33, that in this world, you're gonna have trouble. Man, that's the truth, right? But take heart. I have overcome the world. Man, there is hope there in that passage. And finally, Jesus is the answer to a meaningless life. Sometimes we have moments, sometimes there are years where we feel like we don't have any meaning, don't have any purpose. Yet Jesus says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, that's not why I've come. I've come to be different. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not to just have a normal life, but to have this life of abundance. We need to see that Jesus is the answer for everything. But there's also one other main truth that we can see from this passage. So let's look at it. In verse 18, halfway through the verse, he says this, that God is, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And he entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So it ought to be very clear that God is in the restoration business, but there's also something else here that the Bible says that not only is God in the restoration business, but number two, we are on his payroll, right? We're on God's payroll. We have a job to do and we have a big responsibility. He's given us work to do and a message to declare. And this message is the ministry of reconciliation. The Bible says that it has been entrusted to us. This is a huge responsibility. The Bible says we are like ambassadors with a message, a message to a lost world. And he describes, Paul describes what this message is in verse 20. He says to be reconciled to God. Like that is, that is the message. Simply as that, that we ought to be reconciled to God. Through Christ. This is our big responsibility. And so let's, let's ask ourselves some questions. 
Have you been doing this in your life? Have you been an ambassador for Christ, telling people how they can be reconciled to God? Have you been telling people who are far from God just how much God loves them? I mean, maybe it's as simple as that. Not explaining all the intricacies of faith and theology, but just saying, God loves you, man. He really, truly loves you. Have we been telling people that? And have we been living that out in our lives, a, a transformed and revived and restored life so other people see a difference in us? We must be about God's vision. At our core, this, is, this must be what we are about. In fact, Central Baptist Church, we have some core values that kind of define who we are, some things that, that matter most um, to us. And so our, our core values, they, they bring us clarity. They, they keep us focused. Um, and we have several core values that we've, uh, we've gone through over the, the past many, many years and things we've written down. But if I was just to simplify our core values, they would be this. That number one, we worship Jesus. Simple as that. That is at our core, that is who we are. We worship Jesus. We're all about worshiping Jesus and nobody else. We also multiply believers. One of our core values is that we want people to come to faith in Christ and not just to end there, but then to, to have depth in their discipleship, right? To grow in their relationship. We want to multiply believers that way. We also desire community. I mean, think about it. You are here in this room because you desire community. When we had to close down for 12 weeks, what do we want to do? We want to come back, right? We want to come back because we want to be in community. You go into your Sunday school class and your small group and you spend time with people, even with the threat of COVID, you do that because you desire community. We desire community maybe more than we ever have this past year because of COVID. We desire community, but we also do something I love. We live with joy. That's just a fancy way of saying we have, we have fun, don't we? <laughs> As, as a church, we have fun. I mean, we're, we're always laughing up here on stage. There hasn't been a single day that I've worked here that I haven't been in um, the, the office and just laugh out loud about something. We love to have fun together. We live with joy. And at our core, that really is who we are. And if you think about it, the way we live out our values really is our mission. Our mission is our, our biblical task that God has given us. And it answers the question, what are we supposed to be about? And our, our, our mission that you see to your left and to your right, we talk about it all the time on the walls, really comes from two passages, from the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, Matthew 22, that says, love God with everything you have and love others as well. And then Matthew 28, the, the great commission that says, go and make disciples. That is who we are. And from that, that's actually how we get this, this mission statement that we talk about all the time, that we exist to live for Christ, to love people, and to make disciples. We have a mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 also describes this mission that through God, Christ wants to fix and restore what is broken. He is the answer. He is the answer to everything. And I believe God has given us a new vision for our church, this new vision that in the, is, is really an end result to us living out our mission statement. So, I mean, the, the best way to describe this is, is ask this. If central, if we were to fulfill our mission statement, our mission statement to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples, if we were to fulfill that, what would our church look like? That is our vision. What would our church would look like? And if we were to fulfill that, here's what our church would look like. It would look like, it would be full of people who are living for Christ, loving others, 
and making disciples. Our church would be full of people like that. In other words, our church would be full of changed people, right? If you're really living for Christ, if you're really um, loving other people, if you're really making disciples, you are changed. And from this passage of Jesus being the answer to everything and from our fulfilling our mission statement, I believe God has given us this new vision to drive us forward and to be a renewed passion for us. And it's this. God's new vision for Central is to be a church where Jesus changes everything. As simple as that. Our new vision for our church, this, this new focus for us, is to be a church where Jesus changes everything. This is the road ahead for us. The road ahead for our church, where, where it's not just about plans, it's not just about new programs, even though there will be some of those things. It's not about the, the, the what we're going to do, but it's the why we're doing what we, we're doing. So the way this looks is, is it's going to become our new lens, where we evaluate everything we do and the decisions we make through the lens of this new vision. And what it means is that there's going to be some changes that are going to happen. It's going to give us the freedom to say yes to new ministries. They're going to see people's lives changed. You know what? It might even give us the, the freedom to say no to things that we've done that maybe just aren't fulfilling that vision anymore. And so we're going to be a church that are going to do some things differently. One of the things we're going to do is we're going to start killing some sacred cows. Okay? We're going to start killing them. And we're not unique. Every church has sacred cows. I don't care um, if you're here in Owasso, in Oklahoma, um, if you're in Germany or wherever, if you're in India, there are sacred cows. Literally in, Ger in, in India, there are sacred cows, okay? But, but we're going to kill sacred cows. Sacred cows are things that we, we hold on to in our past and say, this is so important that we're not willing to give it up. And all it is is just practices. It's just ways of doing church. We hold on to, there are close-handed issues like the gospel, like worshiping Jesus and him alone. What the Bible says we're supposed to hold on to, those are things that we grasp and we don't let go of, but the methods in which we do them always have to change. They have to change. And so we're gonna kill some sacred cows. We're gonna pray like never before. We're gonna be a church that is going to God and saying, God, you've gotta fix what is broken. We're praying and begging for you to fix things in our lives, but also to fix things in people's lives and help us to be that conduit that you've called us to be. We're going to start new ministries like our Next Steps ministry, which maybe a lot of you might not understand what that is, but we believe that every single person, whether you've been here for 150 years or you're the first time guest or you don't even know Christ yet, we believe everybody has a next step, a next step in their walk, in their faith. We want to partner with people and help them along with their next step from being a, a guest, from being a, a lost person who is um, not even in our, on our campus um, to being a, a member and a faithful follower of, of Jesus. How does that happen? Where do, how do we get to that point? We need to be all about helping people with their next steps. And for you, one of your next steps is real growth and real discipleship. We want to partner with you more than just Sunday school, more than just head knowledge. We want to partner with you to really, to really wrestle with how you're supposed to live your life. Not alone, but together with, with a small group of people. What does it look like for you to really grow in your relationship with God? In fact, two, two uh, series later, later in March, we're going to be talking about what is real discipleship. I'm going to talk about how do we actually do discipleship of the biblical way. Another thing we're going to do is we're going to change our culture. 
So we're not a culture of just uh, coming and doing church and hoping people will come. We're gonna be an invite culture. We're gonna change the way we do things here to where you're gonna want to invite your friends to the things that are happening here. You're gonna want to invite your, your lost coworkers to the things that are happening here at Central because we're gonna do things with excellence and we're gonna do things with radical faith that people might look at us and go, man, that's crazy, but I wanna know why they're different. They're different. I wanna know what they're all about. So this is gonna be our focus, that Jesus changes everything. And when we, when we say that, well, here's, let me kind of flesh this out for you a little bit. What, it's, what it means is that it becomes personal for us. When we say Jesus changes everything, what, we're, what we need to do is we need to ask God to change our attitudes. Like, think about this, change our attitudes for worship. Where it's not this stale and stagnant worship, but saying, God, I wanna worship you as if you literally have changed everything in my life. Help me to worship that way. Change my heart, change my passion for Jesus, change me. And we say Jesus changes everything, it's also a, about relationships with other people. And so when we say that, we're asking God to, to show us, to change, change the way that we see lost people. Change our attitudes and our thoughts towards people that may be different than us. They would walk in and they may look completely different than us. They may act completely different than us. And they may not do the things that we would normally call church here in this, this building. But you know what? They are seeking, seeking Jesus. And we need to be people who help them to find Jesus. God, show us how we're supposed to act towards these people. Change our focus from an inward focus that, is, that really is, can, be, um, can be selfish, our attitudes are selfish to, to instead have this outward focus where we have selfless love. We're asking Jesus to change us, to be more like him. And when we say, Jesus, man, you're changing everything, it also should, should make us look at our focus. What are we truly focusing on? Or we change our purpose as a church to, instead of being all about me, to saying, God, use me, Right? That's when lives are changed. When your life, when you wake up in the morning, it's not about you, but it's about God working through you. God, use me and use my church to share the good news and to spread the gospel. I'm telling you guys, I, I love our church. Central is an amazing church. You, you, I love each and every one of y'all. I wouldn't be your pastor if I didn't. I love this place. But you know what? We need a fire lit under us. We need this new, fresh calling from God to be to be the church in our community, online, around the world that God has called us to be. We need this new vision. And you know what? God has come through. As a staff, we've been praying for months for this. In fact, we've been holding this and hiding this for, from you for, for a while because we wanted to, to do this the right way, to reveal this new vision for God that God has called us. And so as your pastor, I'm calling you to do this. I'm asking you to do this, to jump in with both feet to this new vision. It's like going to the, the pool and the water's too cold. You don't wanna jump in, do you? It's what do you do. You run around it for a whole, whole lot, thinking it's gonna get warmer, right? Trying to get the courage and you put your toe in. It's just, man, just jump in, right? Quit messing around. God is calling us to jump in. Go all in for this new vision that God has called us to. We need to ask this question, God, if you're, if you're changing me, if you're changing our church, what are you calling us? What are you calling me to do? Maybe what are you calling me to do different? Because I see this place that we could become a church full of worshipers 
who, like I said earlier, who are worshiping Jesus as if he really has changed everything. That we would be a people who are going to our neighborhoods and we're going to the nations with this, this job to do and this message that God has for the hurting and the broken. It's, and it's this message that we need to take to people and it's, it's this, that, that Jesus, he can change everything, right? Like we need to be telling people that he is the answer to everything that you are desiring. He is the answer. We need to be a church like that. I'm telling you what, that is exactly what God is calling us to do. Would you pray with me?